everyone. Welcome to another DMV Comic Book Nerds podcast. Today, we are reviewing Riverdale Season 7, Episode 20, Chapter 137, Goodbye Riverdale. This is it, everybody. This is the series finale that we have been uh, waiting for for so long. Uh, we, we watched this a few days ago. We are recording this on Sunday, August 27th, 2023, and we've had a few days to kind of uh, gather our thoughts and see the public's reaction to the finale, and we'll get into it shortly, but uh, first, we have to introduce ourselves. I'm Freddie, and I'm thinking of changing this podcast to Freddie's Madhouse. (laughs) I'm Kennedy, and I don't think Grandma Betty is sleeping back there. (laughs) And I'm Maddie, and I'm living a gorgeous, sexy life in the Oakland Hills with my my son named Dale. (laughs) (laughs) So before we begin, I do just want to shout out that uh, I believe today is the 118th day of the WGA strike and the 45th day of the SAG strike. And the AMPTP has still not uh, come to offer them a good deal um yeah this is not yet the longest strike in history for writers but it's getting there um after it crosses 158 days i think then it'll be long the longest one in history um the record is currently held by the strike in 1988 so we want to continue to support writers and actors and if you want to Find out how you can help them. I'll put some links in our episode description. Um, I do think that some of the actors on Riverdale are Canadian, and they might not necessarily be part of the same union. So I'm not entirely sure about which actors and writers are on strike or not, but we're all doing our best to show solidarity. Um but hopefully it can be resolved soon. That said, this episode was written and directed by Roberto Aguirre-Sacasa, our showrunner. Um, so I'd like to just uh, give him his props for completing seven seasons of Riverdale. That is quite an amazing task. Um, I'm thankful for it. Uh, anything you guys want to say about that? Uh, thank you for Riverdale. Yeah. <laughs> I yep, yeah, I love Riverdale. I was I was gonna say this at the end too, but just what a beautiful, excellent TV show, and no matter what anyone else says, I love it and I'm very glad it exists just the way that it is. Likewise. Very well said. Um Yeah. I mean it really is a feat to produce a show and write and direct on it for seven seasons. Um I think of other shows that have had changes in the showrunner over time or, you know, shows that get canceled or like uh, so many things can happen. So this really was something special. So let's have a quick moment of silence for Riverdale. <laughs> <laughs> starting, yeah. starting now. All right, so just a quick moment because we do have a lot to say. <laughs> so uh, let's get into it. Um, I'm going to give a summary in 
segments, and then we'll talk about it where each commercial break would have been. But first, I have to ask: Did you guys see the extended cut or the the live cut? Because I watched, so I didn't get to watch it live, but I watched the DVR version like an hour later, and and then they were telling us that the next day you could watch the extended cut, and I'm like. I didn't even see the whole episode, so I was like, <laughs> so I had to watch it a couple times to get the full story. Yeah, I did not know that there was an extended cut. I watched it on the CW app, like always, um, so I'm not sure which one I saw. <laughs> I think the extended cut is the one that's on the CW app. Okay, yeah. yes. Yeah, so for me, I also couldn't watch it live, but instead of on the CW app, I wherever the, the sort of rental we were staying at, it, I could watch it on YouTube TV the next day, and... Mm-hmm. But, like, I know it wasn't the extended cut because, yeah, I was reading what other people were saying later. And I was like, wait a second, what did I miss? Um, and I meant to try and just rewatch it before today, but I, I didn't end up having time to. But I, I do know what happens because I, um, Freddie, you sort of sent me that transcript that helped me see where it was in the episode. Yeah, if you get a chance, watch the, the version that's on the CW app because that one is the full 50-minute episode. The one that airs a little bit shorter, cuts several scenes, and... I was shocked because it even excludes scenes that they use in the promo. I'm like, how are you going to promo this episode and then cut out those scenes? But anyway, I'll call out the deleted scenes as we walk through it. But um, here we go. All right. So this episode opens with Jughead's narration, as it often does. But one thing that's very different is Betty is old, 86 years old to be precise. Um and we see that she's talking to her granddaughter, Alice. And we, you can see right away that her granddaughter has like dark black hair, which is interesting. Um, you see lots of photographs in Betty's bedroom of her friends from the 1950s. They're black and white. Um, she even has a heart-shaped photograph of Archie over there in the corner. Um, but we don't quite know all the details of her life yet. We do see that she is reading the obituaries and she sees that she's the last of her friends to survive. So then when she's about to go to sleep, we see a young Jughead appear. Um, Is he an angel? Is he a narrator? We don't know who he is, but he's here. Uh, Kind of like a Peter Pan type of figure. And then he offers Betty a chance to go back to a day in her past. And she gets to choose the day, she gets to relive the day, but she also has to witness herself reliving the day, which can be kind of painful. He warns her about that. But she agrees to do it, and so they walk through the door, and they're back in time. Betty's back in her old bedroom. She can see Archie across the way. And we do get a quick scene with Archie and Mary. Um, Archie's telling Mary his plan to build highways and head out west and he promises that he'll come back but mary is certain that he won't that he'll fall in love with the west coast and just want to stay out there so they have a nice scene and then we get a little bit of mary's happy ending she meets brooke and she lives happily ever after basically we also get a scene with betty alice and polly they're all reunited betty's excited to see them alive we find out that polly is pregnant with Juniper and Dagwood. We find out that Alice divorced Hal and became a stewardess like she had dreamed. But it didn't last very long because there was one time where 
she had to safely land a plane because the pilot was drunk and you know not doing his job and then she ended up marrying one of the passengers on that flight and they traveled the world together after that and then Jughead takes Betty to school where she finds Veronica and they walk into the school together all right so any thoughts about these opening scenes So my, my first thought was, well, I, so my first thought was this kind of played out how, how I, when I read the episode description and it was like, you know, it was old Betty reflecting on her life. I mean, I, I don't know that I predicted Angel slash narrator slash who is this <laughs> Jughead, but I, I kind of had a feeling I was like, oh, we're going to get to see kind of how the 50s storyline or like the, the characters sort of like where they, they're arcing to by like getting to see it through Betty's eyes. So that kind of played out a bit like how I thought um mm-hmm. I'm trying to think if there was anything else really notable I was I was happy that they chose another actress to be older Betty instead mm-hmm. of uh doing weird makeup stuff um mm-hmm. and I also thought this is my last thought um I yeah I think we were supposed to you know be speculating like who does her granddaughter resemble if anything I thought her granddaughter resembled none other than Donna Sweet from season four. <laughs> and that kind of made me happy because I kind of low-key shipped them a little bit during that season. But I can see that for sure. Donna Sweet had a very interesting relationship with, with Betty. Uh, well, with, with all the characters, obviously. But yeah, I, well, first of all, good for Alice for getting her act together and also somehow landing a plane. Um, that was hilarious. I know. I was like, huh? <laughs> but I- it was it was great i loved it no complaints there and i also i i um wasn't horribly surprised like you know so far in the in the summaries that we're getting um people are getting happy endings and that didn't shock me either i was like even though it would be possibly more realistic um i didn't expect them to make anyone like tragically i don't know well i guess some people tragically die young or one person we'll get into that in a bit yeah but, um... but mostly happy ending yeah, and um, with Alice, I do want to say, I recently watched the old 70s movie Airplane. Have you guys seen that? Yes. No. It is hilarious. Uh, I want to recommend anyone who hasn't seen it, watch it if you can. Um, I mean, some of the stuff <laughs> doesn't hold up as well, but some of it does. Uh, and it's just a classic comedy film about, um, you know, people on an airplane and one of the passengers has to fly it to like to land it safely <laughs> um so it's funny seeing alice in that role um yeah i think at this point in the episode it was going pretty much how i expected it to i was a little surprised to see uh mary's happy ending like i was glad that mary returned for this final episode and we got a scene with her and archie and we got to have her happy ending like it's so funny because it does feel like uh, they were getting as many queer characters as they could, you know, at the last minute, even though we already knew that Mary was queer, but like, we didn't know she was queer in this timeline, you know? So, yeah. Well, th- this, to- this is a pretty uh, gay episode. <laughs> I mean, this whole season has, has been like, let's make everybody gay as much as possible. <laughs> yes. Which is like, Hey, it's a good thing in my book. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> um, so uh, let's talk about the next section of this episode. Betty is at school and she hears Tony, who we find out is the senior class president. She's reading a poem by Langston Hughes on the school um, announcement system. And 
The poem is called Dreams. I thought this was beautiful. You see Mr. You see Principal Weatherby in the background. And it's just a really nice poem. Very appropriate. A, a great bookend from the season premiere where she read another Langston Hughes poem. Um, we get a deleted scene where Betty and Jughead visit the Blue and Gold newsroom. We get a scene where Fangs and Midge sign Betty's yearbook. And we this is where we start to find out how um, our Riverdale friends live their lives. Unfortunately, um, Fangs and Midge didn't get a long happy ending. Like Midge did get out of the Sisters of Quiet Mercy. Apparently she had her baby uh, and they were in love. Her parents accepted Fangs. He had a, a hit record that went gold and uh, didn't quite make it to number one, but it made it to number eight. But unfortunately he died young. Um, like uh, they say he had a bus accident in the Rockies and I do want to point out that this is a very this is a historical reference to Richie Valens like they've said before that Fangs is basically like a Richie Valens type of character and Richie Valens died at age 17 right after he got famous um, in the famous incident um, they call it the day the music died if you're familiar with the song American Pie uh, it describes the incident where Richie Valens, Buddy Holly, and the big bopper, J.P. Richardson, all died in a plane crash near Iowa. And that was just a big event in American history. So I, I just want to point that out because it's not like they killed Fangs off early because they hated him or anything. <laughs> no, I think that's good context to have, actually. <laughs> and it's just I, so interesting because Richie Valens was a pioneer and forefather of the Chicano rock movement. And, and Drew Ray Tanner, who plays Fangs, has mentioned that, like, he wasn't, at first he wasn't comfortable specifying his race, uh, but this season they've kind of leaned in a little bit more into, like, yeah, he, uh, he does have a background where he, like, he can, um, I don't know how to describe it, because they didn't really specify his race still, but they did mention that, you know, he was a minority and he was like that was one of the reasons why um, Midge's parents probably didn't want her to date him. So I kind of liked his little Richie Valens storyline this season. And R.I.P. Fangs. That was the first moment that made me kind of sad. <laughs> yeah, me too. As like as because I've I've never really been a Fangs hater. I I understand there are a lot of Fangs haters who I think you know won't won't pay attention to the context and will just uh, think this is. <laughs> think this is punishment but yeah it was pretty it's pretty tragic i was like oh no poor midge i get that's the thing is midge midge kind of flips her fate instead of midge dying young which i, I was kind of worried she was still going to die young in this version so then it kind of kind of went the other way for her they do mention that um that midge and the baby were taken care of for the rest of their lives because of the success of fangs's record so that's good um let me see what's next then Betty joins Kevin and Clay for lunch. One last lunch on the benches outside the school. Um, and then we hear a little bit about what happened to Kevin and Clay. They they lived the rest of their lives together. And they pretty much died together after a nice long life. They lived in Harlem. Um, like Kevin died first, but then Clay died not long after. But there's a funny scene where Kevin reminds Betty that she was in a quad with Archie, Jughead, and Veronica, 
so Betty was very surprised. She's like, what? I don't remember this. And everybody's like, how can you forget that? (laughs) (laughs) So we get this hilarious scene of like uh, Archie, Jughead, and Ronnie rolling up in Archie's hot rod. And they like give Betty a little wave. And then she waves back. And it's like, this has been discussed a lot on the internet since this happened. Um, What are your guys' thoughts? So I have I have two thoughts. One, one my thought is like it's it's out. It's funny how a lot of people, or it seems like a lot of people reacted like it was sort of an out of nowhere twist. When in fact, I think they've clearly been hinting that this would be the resolution. Right. This like was the inevitable the conclusion. <laughs> yeah. Like, so it was it was the obvious solution, but we didn't know if they would actually do it. Do it. Yeah. So I was I was excited for that part. I will say, well, <laughs> there's there's two caveats. We will we will get into the uh, we'll get into the Jarchi of it, I'm sure. But mm-hmm. um, the the one thing I was thinking was that I kind of wish that they hadn't like kept Jughead so separate for most of the season because to me, even though like I know they all got their memories back or or you know they remember that they were all friends in a previous existence, but it's sort of it was sort of it's sort of a strange res i think i saw some people point out that the way that the rest of the season had gone and we'll talk about it more in reggie's later scene it's like it would, it would have made more sense for reggie to be there because archie yeah. and jughead haven't even hung out this whole time so i guess what i'm saying is i really like it as the resolution but i'm kind of annoyed that they just like didn't let jughead hang out with the gang for most of the rest of the season because then it would have felt more i don't know like an appropriate conclusion mm-hmm. i agree um any thoughts candy yeah, I agree with that completely. Um, I, when I saw Reggie, I was like, "Yeah, no, why, why, why wasn't he clued in on this little right? whatever they got going on?" I did, I did. Uh, I, I wasn't, I wasn't like super surprised that they did that, but also I was, I was, you know, like mildly amused. I think that a lot of us joke that it seems natural for Riverdale to end with like a a, a polycule or whatever. Um, I mean, we've always talked about the core four on this show being. Archie, Jughead, Betty, and Veronica. Um, even if Jughead did have a lot of his own plots, or Veronica had a lot of her own plots, like like I think at the very least this season made the effort to put Jughead and Veronica together. Yes. So that you know, like they were the weakest links of the core four in the past. Like like they didn't even want to talk to each other half the time. <laughs> so, so that was they had to they had to make that effort, but. Quite interesting in my mind. I was like, when I was watching it, I was like, maybe someone told them not to make Archie gay. Because, like, there's a lot of homoerotic stuff in this season. Um, And the lead up to the Twyla Twist thing seems like he and Reggie are going to sleep together and they don't. And if they Or at least fool around. Hmm? At least fool around. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, like, like sleep together or hook up in a very, like, ambiguous sense, or at least, like, yeah. So, I don't know. I, like, it seems like the setup was kind of there, but then also kind of not. And then the finish, like, it would have made sense for Jarchi to also be a thing, but it didn't happen. And so I was kind of like, like, the implication or the elephant in the room for me was also very much like, oh, what about Jarchi? <laughs> so, at the very least, we get uh, canon Betty and Veronica, like they kiss for real this time. Like they're they're legit, you know, getting it on. Yes, because <laughs> we had complained before. Like they kept teasing us throughout the season of them almost kissing or having like fantasy kisses, but uh, now we, we kind of get confirmation. But we have to keep in mind that this episode we're watching, this is a I don't even know how to describe it. 
Betty goes to relive the day, but it's not how the day actually transpired because Betty had the mumps in, in, in the real history of this moment. And then so Jughead is allowing her to relive the day as if she didn't have the mumps and she doesn't miss out on all the last moments with her friends. So I think Betty even asks Jughead, like, is this really happening? He's like, well, more or less. <laughs> well, not too concerned with the details. Yeah. I will, yeah, I will say that even in even with that interpretation, I, I think we're we're supposed to view those like cutaway scenes of yeah them being in the quad and it was like oh sometimes we were at the Pembroke, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I felt like that. I don't think we were supposed to think that was like made up necessarily. No, no, yeah, all that stuff <laughs> yeah, happened. Think, yeah, it's just that that Betty. Um, the only thing that didn't happen was that Betty was not there having all these conversations on the last day of school right like right. she didn't get her yearbook like that's actually kind of really sad like she missed out on so much <laughs> so i don't blame her for wanting to get to have a do-over um and and her friends suck for like doing all that stuff without her they couldn't have rescheduled <laughs> <laughs> that's true how did how did well yeah we'll, we'll get to it in a second i was like yeah how did some of these conversations go originally it's a great question but, but i do have to mention that uh just earlier today there was some buzz online because the polyamory organization called open slammed Riverdale for putting Archie, Betty, Jack, and Veronica into a quad relationship for the series finale. They were saying it's frustrating that Riverdale used its characters and not used its characters, non-monogamous relationship as a shocking twist rather than engaging with a serious plot line. I'm like, y'all it were not watching the show. Yeah. Don't, don't even comment on it. <laughs> I mean, I feel like this, I, Hey, I have no problem with the, with the polyamorous relationship. Right. My big, like, uh, issue with this episode comes a little bit later. With yeah, but I, I certainly think that Riverdale has sometimes a bad habit—not a bad habit, but an interesting habit of like using using like gay relationships um, in a in a manner that the straight relationships don't get used in. Like, uh, and there's an exception with like Fangs and Midge, but like the gay relationships—and this makes sense in in some ways—but they're saddled with so much more like grief. Um, and, and just like pain, like Kevin's always cruising Fox forests or like I was rewatching some older episodes where Kevin and Moose are still dating and Kevin's trying to get Moose to come out to his dad. And then, and then Moose does. And then his dad like does like dresses up as the gargoyle King and mm-hmm. like, almost kills him or something. Almost, yeah. Like he's like trying to, and I'm just like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> like I, it, again, you can't really engage because it is Riverdale and this isn't like a complaint, but they definitely do some weird stuff. Like Cheryl getting sent to a crazy nunnery conversion therapy. Conversion therapy happens, but uh, not necessarily like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Riverdale is always over the top. And so when they address, you know, real world stuff, it's going to be over the top. But I, I don't think this depiction of polyamory was out of the blue or insensitive like it was like if anything we'll get into it more but like but they they definitely led up to this <laughs> like they for god's sakes they introduced polyamory as a stage <laughs> name of betty's sister <laughs> when she was doing burlesque so like the idea was planted they're like what is polyamory let's discuss this <laughs> um but it's just kind of funny uh there's so much we could say but we gotta keep it moving um Next, we get a deleted scene where Betty and Cheryl chat in the girls' bathroom. Um, Cheryl had a, a lot; of, she had several understated, funny moments. Um, just because we hadn't seen a lot of mean Cheryl this season, <laughs> so it was kind of fun to see her come back a little bit. <laughs> um, and then, 
we get the Betty Reggie scene where she uh, explains the quad to Reggie. And he's like, what? Why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you include me? I would have been down. And she was like, well, you were focused on basketball. You didn't want to take you away from that. And he's like, I would have made the time. <laughs> Reggie is all of us. <laughs> and Yes. And like, it was so funny because um, I, I felt like Charles Melton really gave us a mix of both old Reggie and new Reggie in this scene. Like he was silly, but he was still, but he still had the experiences of like, you know, the fifties. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. No, I know what you mean. Did you get that uh, yeah. feeling? I thought he did a good, yeah, like a good bridging of the two. Cause he, cause I think we've mentioned this before, like maybe besides Archie a little bit, it's like, he's the one who's kind of the most, different mm-hmm. and, and even two, betty like, calls that out yeah. like she says um I, it was such an honor to get to know you both versions of you or something to that effect so we get to find out reggie's um ending uh he played college basketball he got drafted by the lakers and then later on he came back to riverdale to raise a family and he coached basketball at the high school he's got two sons who are also uh, basketball players um any other thoughts about Reggie before we move on? I just love him, and I think he's such a great actor, and he's such a he's been such a, a given really good plot lines this season. Yeah, I love I love you, Reggie, and I'm sad to let you go. Yeah, we love yeah. you, Reggie Charles Wilson. All right, then Veronica tells Betty that she is moving to L.A., and she, we find out that she became a big time movie producer as we expected her to. Um, she made the Comet movie, which got several sequels. She won two Oscars, and she was buried in the Hollywood Forever Cemetery. Betty did get to attend a few of her premieres, but unfortunately, they didn't stay as close as they wanted to. And this is pretty sad. Um, I think Betty does mention that she did attend her funeral. Um, and I do want to mention that Veronica shouts out Josie in the scene and she also and there's also a deleted scene where she talks to peter roth he gets a second cameo this season do you guys know who peter roth is i didn't until i was reading some of the write-ups that this is like he's a he is slash was a real warner brothers executive or something yes like uh peter roth is a real person who was the chairman and chief executive officer of warner brothers television studios from 1999 to 2021 and it's just so weird that he's playing himself in the 50s because he was born in 1950 <laughs> but it's because it's because tabitha folded the timelines you know true. She folded Every, the timeline, everybody got pushed back and he was really in charge of warner brothers tv so you know i'm sure he wanted to be on the show he's probably proud of it <laughs> proud of riverdale um let's see what else anything else about the scene I did love when when Betty is yeah like the sort of sadness of of Betty's regret of not staying in touch I thought was was a really good element and then yeah when she says she's such a force um I yeah I mean there's you know all the all the shippers will like they're interpreting however they want to like how they they've seen secret evidence for sort of their version but to me I like her saying that and kind of you know that we know that kind of nobody spoiler nobody like chooses anybody really in the end I was like oh was Veronica was the great love of Betty's life that she let get away that's how I sort of was interpreting that yeah, yeah. I think that there's a lot of pathos in that interpretation like I could see that. 
Yeah, and like I gotta agree with you. Like it really does feel like I'm still shocked that this show not only tried to give everybody, like all the shippers, you know, a little bit of something, something. And so like they gave you all the pairings you can imagine, and then even still after the show, that like, people are gonna still be debating, you know, who was the end game, you know? <laughs> like people are still debating, like actually it was Barchi, actually it was um Bughead, actually it was Veronica. Like um, it'll the debates will never end. But um, let's move on to the next segment of the show. We get a Shoney scene where they debut their art and their books. Um, Cheryl has an exhibition called Beefcake Meets Cheesecake, where we see she has painted photographs of all of her friends uh, looking sexy, um, and Tony is publishing a collection of. Her Black Athena magazine. So it's a cute scene where they're all at the dark room. And we actually see the exterior of the dark room, which I feel like it was the first time I've seen it. I can't remember if they showed it in any other episodes. Do you guys recall? Um, I'm not sure. Well, we definitely see it this episode, and it's like definitely not under pops. <laughs> <laughs> Even um, though we know that that's the set. But yeah, yeah same set, different location. Um but yeah, this was a cute scene. Uh, we also get to see Cheryl and Tony's happily ever after. Um, we see that they moved to LA. Is that right? No, I think. Well, so I didn't catch it in the episode, but it was only when I was reading the transcript later. They moved to Oakland, apparently. Oakland, California. And they start a little uh, artist space. And then uh, I think we see Lizzo there or someone who looks like her. And then, um, then we find out that they had a son together and we see that. They had a son named Dale after Riverdale. And this is actually Vanessa Morgan's real son named River, I think, also after Riverdale. Mm, amazing. Amazing. <laughs> and you get to see them in their, like, 70s outfits and hair. They look cute. <laughs> um, I got to say that this beefcake cheesecake thing, I'm like, Riverdale will always be Riverdale in the sense that they know that sex sells. And this is true of Archie Comics forever because... Back in the day, Archie Comics used to have a bunch of pinup sections, mostly of the girls, I think. Maybe occasionally they might have had the boys, but I feel like most of the time they had a lot of cheesecake in their art. <laughs> so any comments about this? Just Cheryl's shenanigans, as usual. And <laughs> I think that's amazing. I'm so proud of her. I mean, I'm actually very happy for her to, like, get a happy ending. Like, she she went through a lot, like... like her storyline went so off the rails in the old timeline. Like she, she, she decided not to go to college and then became a shut in and became a weirdo in her old Gothic mansion. And like, (laughs) yeah, then then she became a witch and all that stuff. (laughs) I mean, I do like Cheryl, the witch, but uh, of course, yeah, no, I, it was, I think, but it wasn't a happy ending because she she lost Tony and all of that, you know? Oh, exactly. No, I was, I remember watching and then, yeah, I mean, we can, I think we can talk more when we sort of were like, let's talk about the thesis and themes of Riverdale. But like, I remember when, yeah, watching season five and yeah, like, which obviously they were sort of wrapping up the end of season four. And yeah, when, when Cheryl was like, I'm not going, I'm, I'm not leaving Riverdale. And I was so devastated because yeah, I was like, no, Cheryl, I, you need a chance to like grow and, and go outside of Riverdale and become a new person. And so this is like the version where she gets to do that, which made me really happy. Um, 
Yeah, because uh, I just remember being so devastated <laughs> about uh, Cheryl not escaping Riverdale's claws, as it were, in the original version. <laughs> but I was happy for Tony for getting out of that toxic situation, because, like, uh, I, with all due respect to Shoni and, and their shippers, can we admit that their relationship was a toxic mess from season three onward. <laughs> oh yeah, I what I was gonna I was gonna say that the thing is is I'm not even really a big Shoni shipper, so it's like less to me of like oh them together getting their happy ending, but more just yeah oh I like a version where they're not such a toxic relationship where where it works because I I do agree with you. Like Tony just went to go live with Cheryl and then got dragged into like having a dead corpse in the room at all times and like and then like a murder of her uncle and then like all this stuff <laughs> like she got dragged into all the Blossom family drama and she lost herself and they never really talked about that in those seasons but then in later seasons they tried to get back to who Tony was you know like as the serpent queen or you know as someone who cares about um, you know activism and, and especially in this season they had Tony express how she she if she was going to be with Cheryl she had to be free to find herself as well and and I appreciate that I mean I'm still a little frustrated because you go online and okay so there's a picture of Tony we didn't get to see this during the episode but her sexy picture is like her on her motorcycle looking really hot like with her serpent jacket and stuff and so everyone is like in love with these photos but they always refer to her as like this is Cheryl Blossom's wife I'm like, put some respect on Tony's name. Like, she is her own person. Like, even if she's with Cheryl, like, it's yeah, it's factual. She is t Cheryl's wife, at, you know, in the future. But she's also her own person. That's all I have to say. All right. Um, so next, um, we, there's a deleted scene where we get um, some information about some more characters. We find out that Julian was a lost soul who served in the military and died in Vietnam at age 28. It's kind of sad. Um, Jughead says that Nana Rose was reincarnated multiple times. I'm like, how do you say that casually? <laughs> I know. I know. My friend texted me after she watched this episode. She was like, where's the Nana Rose spinoff? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so glad to see her one last time. And then, um, then we find out that Principal Weatherby and Mrs. Thornton got married. That was a surprise. I I thought Mrs. Thornton was married already. I'm pretty sure they they said her name M R S like Mrs. But yeah, I think husband. that's what you called women back then, or like old women. Or if you didn't know, I don't know. Like she never talked about her husband the way Miss Grundy did. No, <laughs> like, yeah. Miss Grundy was like, "I have a husband. I have a husband. <laughs> I, I, I really want much. you to know I have a husband." Yeah. Um, but yeah, good for them. And then. We, this is the biggest shock of the episode for me. Then we find out that Frank and Tom were murdered because they picked up a hustler named Chick. Oh I was my undone. god. So this is the part that I really want to talk about because <laughs> oh my gosh, what what were they thinking? I don't know. Maybe you guys like this plot line. I don't want to I'm willing to entertain all opinions, but I thought this was a really bizarre <laughs> It was so bizarre. Like what what, did, what were your thoughts? <laughs> my thoughts were that like we were kind of mentioning that we wanted Chicken Charles to like have some kind of yes come back. We that's the problem is we spoke it into existence and the monkey's <laughs> paw curled and it was like, oh, we'll bring Chick back, all right. Um, but they like like I don't know. I know that Uncle Frank and Tom Keller in this season and in prior seasons have been 
morally gray, if not at times, pretty bad characters. That having been said, they're not exactly like Penelope Blossom or like Hal. Um, And Hal gets off scot-free. I mean, he gets divorced, but like they get murdered. They get murdered because, I mean, it it sounds like the implication is, or at least like it's like they get murdered because they're trying to like have a gay hookup. Um, And the implication is that it's kind of like hate crimey. And I was just like, whoa, that is a huge tone shift from like, oh yeah, Archie travels the country and Mary meets her like future life partner. And also these two guys get like murdered by Jack. I mean, uh, it was definitely, I mean, it's Riverdale. So you gotta have one last murder. It's not Riverdale without a murder. (laughs) (laughs) And and that was Chick's character from the past. Like he was a murderer and and a hookup boy and like all this stuff. So um, the tone was like, it was so quick and so flippant, but it was kind of funny to me. I mean, just like I was just shocked. I was like, <laughs> especially because it was cut from the show. Like, I what? Just, so that's, that's my thing is I I first experienced someone tweeting it with like you know screenshots and the caption, and I I I thought it was someone like making that up. <laughs> I like was like wait because I didn't watch the extended one. <laughs> That was hilarious. And someone told me it was real, and I was like, um, I think I feel, yes, yeah, so I feel somewhere in between on it. Well, on a silly note, first, I'm like, well, the existence of Chick, I was like, does that still imply the existence of Charles? Like, I really need to know that. I wish that that wasn't uh, left on left on the cutting room floor. I wish it had been mm-hmm. both of them, maybe. But um, Charles opens up a whole can of worms with Alice. I, that- I know, I know. And th- there's and FP who just disappeared, and I know it's because Ulrich didn't want to come back. But <laughs> um, so speaking of that, like, yeah, do you think um, Skeet could have stepped in for the guy who Alice marries, and it would have been like, or do you want to imagine that it was him instead of that random guy? I I'm not even. I don't actually care about that ship of like fp and alice it's not i don't really consider a big deal i'm more like poor poor family list junkhead that's who i wanted fp back for yeah yeah but um oh but yeah so i i mean i agree a little bit kennedy about the just the tone shift and that it's a little bit of a disproportionate punishment for yeah a tom and frank who like we don't totally yeah it's not considering sort of their total character um but yeah i mean it's it's interesting because yeah, both the Julian thing and Tom and Frank thing were cut for right, cut from the original aired version. So yeah, I I will say that there was something to me where like when I first watched the episode, like you, I sort of was like, it's not surprising that they really gave everyone kind of a happy ending for the most part, but it made the the fangs thing more glaring to me because in the version that I watched first, it seemed like he was the only one who got like a really tragic ending and I was kind of like oh poor things um and then I had sort of been wishing there to be a little bit more of a mixture of you know like sort of bittersweet um or sad ending so this extended version gives me that a little bit and so I guess I appreciate that but it is I yeah I don't there's there's a lot of questions (laughs) about like how how they chose to do that maybe um yeah like they could have killed a a, a featherhead or someone I don't know <laughs> chick this crazy serial killer chick just appeared out of nowhere and went on a killing spree and he killed all the characters we didn't like yeah exactly <laughs> this door this episode opened up the door to so much fan fiction <laughs> but, yeah uh, truly but let's continue talking about this part of the episode so after this Betty joins the core four to talk about Veronica's departure. Um, Veronica's telling Jughead and Archie that she's going to leave and they're all sad about it. 
But then Betty steps in where she wouldn't have been able to on the actual day this happened. And then she says, uh, let's not just sit around sad. Let's actually enjoy our last moments together. And so they decide to take a ride to Cheryl's after party. Um, and I'm like, they cut the scene from the actual episode. But <laughs> but on the CW app, you can see the scene where they drive there. And it's very reminiscent of the pilot. Like you see the car cro- cross over the bridge going the opposite direction as Cheryl's car, Cheryl and, and Jason's car did in the pilot. And um, there's some somber music playing. Um, but it's cute. It's, it's also reminiscent of that time where they took a ride in Archie's Jalopy back, I think, season three, back before he was about to go to prison. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love. I just love all sentences about Roberta. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, then, um, Betty, when they arrive at Cheryl's, it's dark, and the rest of the gang has gone in, but Betty doesn't want to go in, and Angel Jughead asks Betty why. She says it's because she knows this is the last time that they'll all be together. It's just too painful, like he told her it would be. But then Jughead encourages her to make every minute count. So um, this is where there would be a commercial break. So uh, any thoughts so far? Or shall we keep going? Um, I'm good with, with continuing to go. Yeah. All right. So then we get Cheryl's after party. And like, this was great because it brings it full circle, like, um, they had their Cheryl had her big party in the premiere where they played um, Seven Minutes in Heaven, I think. Is that right? Do you remember like that? In the Bottle plus Seven Minutes in Heaven, I think. Yeah. And then, um, and Cheryl always has parties. Like in season five, I think she had the, the key party. Um, you know, it's it's not Riverdale without a Cheryl party. <laughs> <laughs> so true it's not riverdale without cheryl putting on a weird party in a, in a weird gothic house yeah and then archie decides to read a poem that he wrote for his friends um it's more like a limerick or like a roast like he's basically roasting everybody <laughs> i know uh i feel so two ways about this but yeah <laughs> like i died laughing when he rhymed tangerine with serial killer gene <laughs> Like, that was one of the first ones he mentioned. And I was like, oh, gosh, I don't know if I'm ready for this. Um, did you guys have any favorite uh, lines that, of his poem? Oh, gosh. Hmm. <laughs> I So what I will say, I kind of have a least favorite line, actually, which is okay. um, his his verse about Reggie is so, like, well, so, okay, first of all, the whole thing is a roast, but, like, because Reggie's part is, like, alluding back to, like, that, you know, there were two Reggies, there were different actors, but mm-hmm. then, yeah, Reggie's sort of like, you know, I'm sensitive about that, but it ends with Archie, say, like, doing a weird show us your birth certificate joke, and I was kind of like, wait a second, Archie, like, yeah, that was <laughs> what, what is your, like, implication here, and I, I don't, I don't think the writers thought that part through, <laughs> so it kind of just made me, like, dislike the whole thing in the end, I was like, that's the love of your life, Archie, it's Reggie, <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah, that one was a little bit too meta. I mean, it was, um, I mean, it was, I guess the point is just that at this point, Archie and Reggie are so comfortable he can make, you know, inappropriate <laughs> jokes. <laughs> do I they do, even I... know about Obama and his birth certificate? I guess they do. 
<laughs> yeah, well, the, I, there's, there's a lot of implications about what did they do with their knowledge of the future that I, I don't, I, I've always questioned. Well, this is because of how we never knew what war Archie was in. I was like, is this a universe without September 11th and the Middle East Wars? Who's to say? That's what I'm going to choose. With it, oh my so. gosh, what a question. <laughs> yeah, I think there was a few too many layers to some of this roasting. Because <laughs> um, like, because he did, basically he, he, he had one line that was something good about them and one line that was something bad about them, possibly from the past. Um, so it was weird because didn't he say he wanted to forget the bad memories last episode? Well, we'll let that go. Well, yeah, this is, this is a great, that's a great unanswered question. <laughs> I, I just interpret, well, I don't know how I'm actually interpreting it, but I think it's kind of a like, Hmm, turns out you really <laughs> well also it's interesting because they all chose that some of them chose to remember only the good stuff but again it's like well <laughs> if they knew that betty and jughead remembered everything maybe they just all kind of broke down eventually it was like okay what actually happened <laughs> like, like they'll, they'll be like the they'll be like we tried to forget the bad parts but then the ones who remember like we're gonna make you remember like we're, just yeah. gonna, we're not gonna let you forget <laughs> I do think one of one of the parts that made me laugh with it uh, was uh, that like Kevin being so desperate to be a part of it, which I felt like was a meta commentary on his character a little bit. Because he was like, "Oh, he was like, oh, do me next, Arch." <laughs> like Aww. he really wanted to be. I was like, "Poor Kevin." <laughs> and then he was like, "Kevin's voice is so beautiful. He belongs in the chorus, but he spends most of his time cruising fox forest." <laughs> I know. I was like, "What so the mean. heck?" <laughs> First of all, how do you remember that? Because I thought we were forgetting all the bad things. Second of all, talk about poking a sore spot. And are you guys even like friends? <laughs> yeah, they're friends in this uh, this universe. They all hugged that one time, remember? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I mean, it was it was it, it was a moment for Archie. Um, the he, culmination of his poetry. <laughs> like I do feel like. This was kind of a weird finale for Archie in the sense that he was not the central character. Like he was a prominent character. He had several scenes. Um, but like we've discussed before, who is the main character of the show? I think we can say pretty firmly it's Betty. Yes. Like, I wanted to bring that up too because you've asked us that question before. Mm -hmm. And I think this episode gives us a definitive answer. Yeah, like Betty is the main character and Jughead is the narrator. And like and they have this kind of like she's the subject. And he, or he's, she's the object and he's the subject. Is that right? Mm, I think it's, yeah, she's the subject and he's like the viewer of her as the subject. Yeah, this is a weird setup, actually. Or not weird, but like this, we, we continued with a lot of the metatextuality in this episode. And I think calling Jughead like the narrator slash angel puts a pretty fine point on something interesting that's going on here which is that like just as betty is stepping into the role of main character again jughead is stepping into the role of author authoral position in a sort of supernatural way and then the episode like ends or one of the last things that we hear in the episode is the sound of typewriter keys mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and we'll come back to that but did you at any point imagine what if archie was the 86 year old character reliving his life well, now considering all the stuff they apparently had to cut, well, because I was, there is a part of me that feels a bit like, what if we, <laughs> what if we'd kind of gotten to see, like, I think of, of the four of like, if we're talking about the core four, right? Like, it, to me, it would have been cool to see like them 
all kind of getting to see their futures and their own like I don't know perspective on it I guess but again that's not like that's not how they set up the episode like as of if, if Archie had been the sort of main figure of the episode instead of Betty um I mean I think that could have worked too but I think it's just it's what it's what it is that it's like what that reveals is that clearly Roberto has always thought Betty is the more interesting character <laughs> so I like, mean honestly I'm glad it was Betty like I think Betty was the more interesting choice to be, you know, the main subject of this episode and just kind of like a main character of the show overall. Um, And I mean, from my perspective, I feel like this is arguably one of the more progressive portrayals of women on TV that I've seen, but I want to ask your guys' opinion on it. Like, um, I guess we can talk about it now, unless we want to return to it later. I'm, I'm cool talking about it now. Yeah, like, at, like, what were your thoughts about um, how Betty has been portrayed? You know, has, has she been a positive portrayal, uh, a representation of women, or or negative, or a bit of both? Or, well, I think I think Betty is quote unquote good representation because she's just like she's a really interesting, compelling character, and so she is. She has flaws. She has flaws. Some that she like overcomes throughout the show some are like flaws that I think kind of stay with her and you know again keep her from being a perfect person because I think so to me a good female character is like someone who just feels like a real person and is not um not not perfect all the time I do, I do think I think there's a certain perspective from some people who watch the show that Betty's right all the time <laughs> like Betty solves the mysteries and so she's kind of validated and and they could kind of see it as annoying of like, um, I don't know, that she's she's the main character and so everything happens to her and she's always right. But I, I don't view her that way. I think she's like wrong as often as she's right. Um, so no, I mean, I I agree. With there was a time saying. where she yeah. thought Sheriff Keller was the Black Hood and not her father. So. Oh yeah, no, no, exactly. She's, she's wrong about that. <laughs> yeah, people, people, I think, I think people have like rewritten their thought about, I think Betty thinks she's right all the time, but then that's one of her flaws actually, which I think I mean, makes her interesting. I'll, um, I'll never forget how many people are still mad at her for cheating on Jughead back in high school. Like no one ever forgave her for that, even though Jughead ar- arguably treated her worse after the and, fact. And yeah, and arguably the universe said, no, yeah, canonically, you're now the horror Babylon, which I have a lot of feelings. So, okay. So the other dimension is that I do think there's some people who think that Betty's character has been like, has she been over-sexualized? Has she been, and, and like, has, has, have we, like, problematized, like, her having a mental illness? And I, yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely arguments to be made on, like, uh, did we, like, actually do this storyline the way, the most sensitive way? No, definitely not. Riverdale is nothing of, like, not, like, bold choice-making, which will sometimes, like, be a bad, bold choice-making decision. Um, mm-hmm. But I guess overall, to me, that was all my long-winded answers, but I'm like, I do think, I think she is a really great character um, who I'm happy to see have a happy ending after after she is also a character who like has a lot of suffering. Um, and again, I think some people think that the show maybe like relished in punishing her and making her suffering. And I do think there's some times where it feels like that's true, but that's because she's a fictional character. <laughs> and you have to like have your character suffer to move the plot forward sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I totally agree with that. I love Betty. Um, I will always love Betty. And I do think it's fun that she is so complex. Um, you know, like she she's not always right. A lot of times she can be overconfident and jump into things because of that. And I just like I I don't know, like I really enjoy what she gets up to. I enjoy the complexities of her of her character. Um 
I I think that she is like one of the best written characters on the show by far for me in terms of like being multidimensional and feeling like a real person within the craziness that is Riverdale. Like I love Veronica. Veronica does not feel like a real person to me at all. I love Cheryl so much. I've been very vocal about my love of Cheryl. Does not feel like a real person to me. Jughead feels like a real person to me, but maybe in a more negative manner. Like, like, oh, I knew that guy in high school kind of way. Um, but for me, Betty, it's like, oh, I know people like this and I can relate to her traits. But also, like, even though she is flawed, that those flaws then make her more likable and more relatable and more engaging to watch deal with the stuff that she does deal with. Um, so I, I, I just, I love, I love Betty's character. Um. <laughs> yeah, I think all Riverdale fans love Betty. Like I certainly do as well. And I think that, uh, of course, you know, props to Lily Reinhardt for being a complete champion this entire series, like just with everything that was thrown at her, all the different twists and changes and ups and downs. But um, like just trying to discuss Betty in an overall sense, um, you know, I do want to focus more on season seven and where we're at here in this finale episode because I can't help but think back to a show like Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, which was also on the CW, where you had a complex female lead, um, but towards the end, the plot was basically like, which guy is she going to choose? She had three options. and But the show made a point to say, actually, she's going to choose herself. Like, it's not about, you know, a guy. Like she, her, her story ended up being about finding herself, finding peace within herself from like struggles she was going through, depression. Um, she had like of, uh, what was it? Um, she had a BPD. Yeah. Borderline. Yeah. Personality. So, um, yeah, I thought that show was a good example of, you know, overcoming the trope of the ending being about, you know, finding a man. <laughs> And then we'll get into it more as we discuss the rest of this episode. But we find out that Betty didn't end up with Archie. She didn't end up with Jughead. Um, she didn't end up with anybody. She even told us earlier this season, she said, I might not want to get married at all. And like the show has, has worked a lot this season to get to that point, even though we've a lot of fans have complained, like we're getting so many horny Betty plots. <laughs> but it was really all about her exploring her sexuality figuring out who she was and what she wanted. And she even tells us this, like she's, she pretty much said this earlier on, but um, I mean, I know a lot of Barchi fans are upset that they didn't end up married and a lot of Bughead stands are mad that they didn't end up married. But I kind of like the fact that, you know, this version of Betty is more than just Archie's girl because like, like that, like on the original Betty and Veronica book, the title was Archie's girls, Betty and Veronica. Like they, that's all they were. Like they were, they didn't exist apart from Archie. And so what this finale is saying is that Betty actually can exist apart from Archie and Jughead for that matter. Like I thought that was pretty cool. what do you think? Yeah, I, I liked that. I think that it was nice that also Riverdale kind of resisted the like, I don't know if you guys ever read Harry Potter. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> We're yeah, that most, generation. <laughs> yeah, I was. I, I imagined you guys had. But, Although we just um, avow it now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like the end of Harry Potter is like they all get married to people that they had met by like book one or book two when they were like <laughs> eleven and twelve. And like obviously a lot of people complain about this, myself included. That it's like so disappointing to read those books and then the end of it's like everyone got married uh, to the people they'd known for a long time and had kids with them, etc. Um, and so I like that they didn't do that because I think it would have been very easy and very obvious for them to be like, then Betty, Archie, Jughead, and Veronica all moved into a big house together. And in some ways that would have been <laughs> awesome. In some ways I think it would have been disappointingly Late. simplistic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is, um, this, I'm, I'm going to open and shut a tab because I think we will get to it, I think maybe a little bit later, but, um, I will say, I think I said before on last week's episode, maybe it was like, I wasn't particularly necessarily like a jab at the shipper but i i remember that i liked that that was the only relationship kind of in riverdale of the show so far where it was like characters who did not know each other when they were children <laughs> i was like wow two adults met and like got into a nice relationship that's nice to see riverdale <laughs> and we'll get back to that but um yeah. yeah so that for that reason that's why I, yeah i like i definitely like that for betty of like yeah it's, it's again it's like we you don't <laughs> you're not going to be chained to the people you like grew up with and stuff you get to like decide um on your own terms how you want to live your life so i do so, like that so to that point like i agree like i also like the fact that that she didn't end up with any of her high school sweethearts neither, neither did veronica neither did archie neither did jughead but you know all the queer relationships were soulmates for life like uh hmm. Cheryl and tony Kevin and Clay and on the one hand good for them um, I think all the showy shippers are happy they deserve it <laughs> um, you know I think Kevin is happy people like we've, we've all t- talked about how rough his uh, previous timeline version was so like Clay came in this season and uh, I love Clay I'm really thankful that he came in um, and got some character we even got to meet Clay's dad um, in the he had a quick scene here we like we see that clay's dad and kevin's mom were okay with them you know going to college together and room together and being together basically as long as they were careful <laughs> and um but i do have to say as a black queer viewer i it's just like mm, like on the one hand it's sweet on the one hand it's like something you don't get to see a lot of like queer people growing old together but on the other hand it's like it's it is that simplistic high school soulmates plot you know like mm-hmm. there's like it's i'm at a weird point with where i'm like well you know i'm happy for the characters but i also kind of appreciate more the realism of what happened in the core four and how they didn't end up together yeah they were quite different quite different endings and honestly well what the point i was trying to make is just that it is a little frustrating when black characters get served up as like this ideal soulmate and like again like like i mentioned before how tony has had to fight to assert her own personality to assert her own personhood like like so often riverdale will bring in characters who are just love interests and that's pretty much their whole character like it was heather for cheryl when it wasn't tony but it's mostly tony and then it's also clay for kevin like uh forget about moose forget about fangs you know um yeah so at the end of the day i kind of resist you know these trope traps 
but I'm not mad about it. I'm just, I just have to point it out as all. I think it is interesting to note the way that that diverges. Um, and maybe it's kind of like a, a little bit of a sorry to the <laughs> gay relationships for putting th- them through so much. so much that the straight relationships didn't have to go through. Um, but I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Riverdale's always that interesting mix of like too gritty to be real life and too perfect to be real life. It's like yeah. both extremes at once. Definitely. And like, and, and, and we can't take Riverdale too seriously. I don't think that they're trying to make too many points with the, with the choices of their storylines. <laughs> no, 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 no. Like, I do think they're making some points, but I don't think that they were trying to get too deep with everything. Um, so, but that's it. This leads us to the Barchi goodbye scene where we have one last scene between Betty and Archie. Um, you know, he's really kind of uh, excited about their future. Like he was betting that they might end up together, but Betty kind of gently uh, breaks up with him and she, and she kind of tells him about his future and uh, the fact that he ends up going out West and staying there and, um, starting his own family and becoming a construction worker like his father. And, and then, uh, so they're in Modesto, California. And then, and then he decides to be buried next to his father in Riverdale. Um, it's kind of weird that Betty is telling him all this, but it's, it's like a fake day anyway. So it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's the Barchi stands. I've, I've used this as their, uh, their, their red, red uh, thread on the thought on the, with the the chalkboard of like trying to figure out that this secretly confirms Barchi or because how would Betty know? <laughs> mm-hmm. And then sometimes in storytelling, like there's that twist of if you tell someone their future, then not, that makes it not happen because they're going to try to resist it or something. I don't know. Unless you're in a Greek tragedy. Mm-hmm. And then they can't resist it. It just happens regardless of what they do. So who knows? Like, I, I, I like that they, they played it both ways like yes we did like Barchi was more of a thing but also it wasn't <laughs> <laughs> um so then we get another bughead scene betty says that she wants to make one last visit before her time runs out and she goes to the cemetery she takes flowers and in the, in the moment i'm like who is she going to see like it's, it can't be her dad uh can't be alice turns out it's pops uh, i was <laughs> why why did they do that? I was so upset. he finally bit the big one like they they had a couple fake out is pops dead moments throughout the series you remember that like back in seasons like five and six like they're like like archie came back from the war and he's like where's pops what happened to pops and they're like oh he just retired <laughs> <laughs> and then like i think uh he had a heart attack or something at one point and then mm-hmm. Tabitha was trying to take care of him or something. Yeah. But like, but this, but this time he's, he's actually gone. And so it's kind of sad. They're, they're putting flowers on his grave. Um, and like, you see the year he was born, like he was born in the 1800s now. Like that's wild. <laughs> but um, yeah. Um, then they start to talk about their legacy and Jughead talks about how he ended up becoming the editor of a magazine called Jughead's Madhouse. And this is a reference to Archie's Madhouse, which was 
comic that was published um, since 1959, and then later on had various titles like Madhouse Glads, which you guys might remember from the Sabrina episode last season where Jughead was making those comics. Um, but it's also a reference to Mad Magazine. It's actually more of a reference to that because this whole Jughead plot with the fight against the comics code is pretty much a historical event that happened with EC Comics and their last surviving title was Mad Magazine after you know all their other stuff was canceled. And then Mad Magazine went on to become this huge satire. And this was before Archie's Madhouse. So this was uh, 1952, I believe. So that's all very historical. Like the editor of Mad Magazine was Al Feldstein, which is kind of like Mr. Fieldstone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's you get to see 70s Jughead with like mutton chops and glasses running his little uh, magazine. Um, and he's proud of it, but like he's not like, but he didn't, he's not fooling himself to think that it was like anything major. He says, not like what you did by inspiring, you know, generations with um, She Says Magazine. Like that's what Betty went, went on to do after, you know, publishing her book and doing more writing and stuff. She had a advice column called Betty's Diary. So she had a lot of stuff going on. Um, we get to see her 70s look, basically looking like Gloria Steinem, who started uh, Ms. Magazine back in the 70s, like the the, the famous uh, feminist magazine of the 70s. So what do you guys think of all this? So many writers in the, in the 1950s storyline. Yeah, pretty much everybody. I think that's cool. I Again, like... It, Riverdale's a show that's very concerned about how culture gets produced and who's making it. Um, and so in a way that made sense to me. Yeah. And now more than ever with the rider strike, like it's, 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 it's great to see them, you know, showing uh, the struggle of writers, I guess. Yeah. I was, Riverdale is a story about stories. And so, yeah, I sort of them choosing to like focus focus the characters as storytellers because yeah they all come into it because even even veronica who we know you know likes to be on the business side but she's now in the movie business so she Mm -hmm. is literally also sort of a storyteller um i will so my one my one it's not a real gripe i i really like um i really like kind of uh these these visions for both jughead and betty but i i just I really wanted them to go real whole hog with it. Our, the Jughead could have made Archie comics. <laughs> it could have happened to everybody. And they could have, I kind of wanted them to just super commit to it. And then you have Roberto and Garris Acosta like walk in and shake hands with Jughead. It would have been amazing. <laughs> yeah. I, that would have been too much. I know. That was my only, that was my only dream. But yeah. I, I don't mind that they didn't do it. Yeah, it is kind of weird that he made Mad Magazine instead of Archie comic books. But like I said, it's historical. So I get the reference. Um, yeah. We can write our fan fiction about it. <laughs> um, Someone has to make Sabrina. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so then Jughead asks Betty if she has any regrets about not getting married. She says no. She's pretty pleased with how her life turned out and that her true legacy is her family. Like she adopted a daughter. Uh, I think her name was Clara. And so her granddaughter is named Alice. Um, and you know, that speaks to me as like a unmarried 34 year old, like, you know, like maybe I might adopt in the future. I don't know if I'll get married. I don't know. But, uh, you know, I, I kind of, uh, I relate to Betty in this moment. And then Jughead says that 
sometimes though he does have regrets about not getting married. He doesn't say to who. Like he doesn't have regrets. Does he have regrets about Betty or does he have regrets about uh, Tabitha? I would like to know. Save it for the fan fiction. <laughs> I'm a, I would get really mad with that because like the more I think about Tabitha's plot, I'm just like uh, really upset about it. Yeah, uh, I kind of I kind of think we got to talk about that, but we can we can talk about it. Yeah, we'll, 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 yeah, we'll circle back to that. Um, all right, so then there's one more commercial break, and then old Betty and her family arrive in Riverdale, and they she, they drive past the town sign, and old Betty says, goodbye, town sign, and then there's a deleted scene where Betty says extended goodbyes to the various abandoned Riverdale sets, like the school, like everything, like she's saying, it's like that goodnight moon book, like she's just saying goodbye <laughs> to everything. And it's devastating. Like, like it was one thing when all the characters were dying, like and we're getting their the stories of their deaths. But then seeing like the abandoned sets, like it was kind of rough, especially since it was a deleted scene. <laughs> and then you land at Pops, where Pops is for sale. And then Betty dies right on the spot. <laughs> and like I gotta say, like this is where I started to tear up. Like when Betty, were like when the. After she dies, and then she opens the door, and her soul walks out to Pops. We see young Betty again with the ponytail. She enters Pops. Jason Blossom is there silently to to open the door for her. <laughs> and then, like, the song starts playing um, We Belong Together by Richie Valens. And you see all of the teenage characters, pretty much, except for Ethel, maybe a few others, except for Evelyn. Like, But all the ones that we care about. <laughs> That's just um, for Ethel. Ethel should have been there. <laughs> well, she got her happy send off. We, Ethel we decided more... to do heaven somewhere different, other than than the sweet hair after. Yeah, we, yeah. <laughs> she was we like, I never really that. enjoyed hanging at pops. So, <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, Dilton and Ben are there, and Reggie and Julian and uh, Fangs and uh, Midge, and uh, you get to see Cheryl and Tony and then Clay. You get to see some of the people from the Black Athena Book Club. You get to see. Um, and then she joins Archie, Veronica, and Jughead in a booth, and they have a shake ready for her. And it's just all there's hugs and smiles, and it's just so sad. Um, now this was kind of intermixed with Jughead's narration in the, the the part that aired live, but there was a deleted scene where it's like separated, where like you see the pop scene, and then later on you get Jughead's final narration. Um, and we get to see a few more glimpses of the afterlife. We see Pops. Um, like, I don't know how we feel about Pops, like, uh, <laughs> serving food in a diner forever. Oh, does he? Yes, that's what I was going to say. It's like, <laughs> if, I went to, if I went to heaven or whatever, and it was like, okay, now you're working for more, I would be like, this is... I feel like I feel like he's getting cheated. Everyone else just gets to hang out, but he has to work. I I'm sure he enjoyed his job, but no one enjoys their job that much. Yeah, let's yeah, talk I, about that more in a second. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but yeah, Jughead has his final narration, and it's very sweet. It's like when you see a sign lit up at night, you know, stop in the diner, and, and this is your home, and Riverdale is home, and you're always welcome. And but but strangely, it's it's Angel Jughead with the old hat who's like outside the diner, and you've got like. 50s Jughead inside the diner. Like this show has always had an abundance of Jugheads, but like, <laughs> but like, I don't want to overthink this, but I guess that's why we call this narrator Jughead or Angel Jughead because he kind of like walks off, and you, like you said, Candy, you hear the typewriter, you, you hear the end of the story, 
So what'd you guys think? Oh boy. Ooh. <laughs> it was um, a very Riverdale ending. Yeah. Yeah. So here's, here's the thing. So um, what I, I love how the ending has felt like such a Rorschach test of like how, or specifically meaning the like, walking into the suite here after everybody being in pops uh forever and like there's sort of an equal number of people who are like this is a horror movie ending is this actually hell this mm-hmm. is like uh, the opposite of what i'd want my afterlife to be and then other people you know being like but you know on the on the us watching the show level it's like no this is like the emotional mm-hmm. catharsis like we see everyone together and my answer is like i think maybe it's both <laughs> Like, mm-hmm. I think it's kind of like it's hell and it's heaven, which would explain poor pop situation. Um, I mean, the real answer, and it goes back to the typewriter, is that it's like, the point is that these are, as much as as much as much I think certain viewers of the show who, like, viewed Riverdale as its own thing, I mean, like, separate from Archie Comics, but it's not its own thing separate from Archie Comics. Like, they are the Archie Comics characters, and they have to be 17 forever. Eternally like, young, yes. I was going to say, like... <laughs> But it, thematically, it's. I thought it was beautiful. Like, like it calls back to the Heather's episodes where they're like, "Can we be seventeen? Like, you know, like it. Like that was such a memorable Riverdale moment. And like now they are seventeen forever, basically in heaven. Like, and I do want to shout out the fact that their Riverdale's concept of heaven with the sweet hereafter. They've made pretty clear that, you know. The sweet hereafter is whatever you want it to be. Like, um, yeah, maybe it looks like they're teenagers at Pops right now, but um, maybe if she wants to reunite with her family, she can. Um, or like, like, or anyone you want to see there, you can because, like, they've said like there are sweet hereafter versions of characters, even if other characters haven't died yet, or even if, or if they haven't, or if they have. Like, remember that episode where it was the Sabrina episode last season where Jughead was in sweet hereafter and so was Archie and they had to go back and get them and Veronica went in to get Archie and he was like oh hey Veronica I thought you would be you know at home or whatever and, and then she's like I'm not that Veronica I'm from the real world and you gotta come back blah blah blah, blah. but um like there is a version of the sweet hereafter where Barchi is a happy family there's another version of the sweet hereafter where probably Veronica got whatever happy ending she wanted <laughs> you know that's my view on it. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I don't think we're supposed to take it too too literally or I mean like it's it's Riverdale. Like it's a story. I think that I think you can read it in that in that very CW metatextual way that doesn't really tell you everything or really anything um which is not necessarily a bad thing. Or you can read it as, you know, this is just where they wanted to be in that moment and then they get to go out and do other stuff too but I think yeah thematically it it ties things up pretty well and I think this is always going to be that episode like I always expected this episode to be a lot of recapping of like this happens to this person um but for me they pulled it off pretty well did either of you guys tear up I'm sorry yeah but like I kind of chalk it up to I was a little bit um like I said I was so I didn't watch it live but I was still kind of watching it while my family was around like not really paying attention to it so like I was a little distracted I think so I do want to watch it again and I I maybe will feel it more I I mean I am sad I'm very sad um it's helped a little bit by the fact that there's so much Riverdale um like there's 20 episodes in most of the seasons and the episodes are pretty long and there's seven seasons and like 
I, I've been, I think I've mentioned a couple times, I've been rewatching it with friends um, who haven't seen it before. And I always still even now find more to appreciate. And I'll be like, oh, I forgot about that plot line. Or like, I forgot that that happened. Um, like I was rewatching the episode where Cheryl's trying to go to like a hoity-toity women's college. And they like say that they're not accepting legacy legacy applicants anymore so she can't go uh it's just like yeah so even though Riverdale's over it lives on on uh Netflix but also like it's just it's it's had a very good run yeah and and there's so much to return to like you said like it's very rewatchable the only sad thing is that we won't get any new episodes but um I do want to mention the fact that Netflix has already announced that um River, the final season of Riverdale will arrive on August 31st. So that's like a couple days from now. That's a pretty quick turnaround. Mm-hmm. It usually comes out like kind of right after the season, season finale. But um, yeah, like it's a long wait if you have to wait through the 20 episodes. But it, it's short if you're, you know, ready to watch it now. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, yeah, this this is uh, I, I thought this was a very emotional episode. I thought it was a beautiful ending. So, on that note, are we ready to rate the episode? Sure. Yeah. All right, Candy. Is it a ten? I am. I'm having trouble rating this episode because it's so unique, um, being the last ever episode of Riverdale. Um, but you know what? I liked it. I was entertained the whole time. Um, obviously I'm pretty invested in these characters. I think that they avoided some of the more irritating pitfalls of, uh, of like endings of stories that want to forecast out what those characters' futures are going to be. Um, and I'm also going to cut it a little bit of slack because it was a, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's the, it's the end. So I'm going to say an eight. All right. What about you, Maddie? Is it a 10? Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> like, it's I'm hard. to use, yeah, my criteria um because so i'll be totally honest like i i do want to watch it again because like when i first finished it i was a little like i wasn't disappointed like disappointed is definitely not the word there was like so much that i liked and grabbed onto but i was also a little like huh (laughs) or i don't know i was like hmm yeah like how was this as an episode versus like the culmination of something um so I kind of think I'm gonna give it an eight two because um yeah it's like it's it's a little limited in like what it can be as a regular episode because there's so much they have to do and I think part of my rating for it has to do with like I think I still think there are things that could have like gone a little differently this season in terms of uh, how they plotted everything together let's say but um so this may be like reflecting that's maybe like wrapped up in why I don't feel like I can give it like a nine or a ten so an eight feels right for me okay well I gotta say for me this is an easy one to rate I'm gonna give it a ten because um it was a great episode it's a must-watch episode of Riverdale like uh, maybe not the first one someone should watch, but um, <laughs> but like they have to watch it if they want to know what Riverdale was about, and mm-hmm. and and it and it offered so much. Like it told us so much about these characters, uh, wh- whether you like it or hate it or somewhere in between. Um, you know, like it, it it did so much, and it also had so much room for you to fill in the blanks and. Um, I was just very impressed with it. Like I was hoping for a satisfactory ending, and I feel like I got that. And um, 
you know, like I said before, I, I, I tried not to have high expectations because I, because I, you know, <laughs> just with the failure of the spinoff shows, you know, it, <laughs> um, and it's so funny because I remember Kennedy, you and I had joked several times, maybe the show will end with them all being dead. <laughs> and, did, and we were just right. in a different way than you expect. It's just not the way we expected. Like, uh, like they did all die, but after long lives, more or less. And um, yeah, like, yeah. My boyfriend was like, "Oh, how did Riverdale end?" By the way, and I was like, "They all died of old age." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, or as Jughead said, they live long, sexy lives. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I should have said. I mean, I hope they put that on my tombstone. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I mean, it was beautiful. Like I'm still emotional about it. Uh, yeah, I, I can't imagine any different ending honestly now that we've seen it you know they pulled it off and they managed to avoid the fatal flaw of, of supernatural's last episode which was um <laughs> half-assing the gay stuff I, i've heard i heard about that i didn't watch supernatural that much but i remember that um people have made jokes about the fact that uh cw having these dramatic uh queer baby things with the supernatural finale always coincide with like a Trump thing going on in, in, <laughs> in the news. <laughs> like uh, uh, this week, Trump had to get his mugshot taken for uh, the crimes he's, uh, you know, uh, being charged with. Um, yeah, just as Trump falls, gay uh, gay CW characters rise. Yes, it just makes sense. <laughs> but yes, in this one, they don't get pulled to hell. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's great. They, they it could be worse. Make America gay again, <laughs> or, or for the first time, I guess. I don't know. Um, yeah, uh, Riverdale has done so much over the years. Um, here we are. Um, I do want to say that um, I, I really appreciate this last season. I know a lot of people didn't like it, and people are still complaining that, oh, the first six seasons didn't matter but they did matter and they made a point to say that it did matter uh if not to uh, yeah i mean like um like i have to compare it to comic books because uh in the 2010s like the x-men had a similar storyline where it was kind of the reverse where the original five x-men were teenagers in the 60s and they were brought to the present day to try and uh, get the adult versions of themselves to get on the right track with their lives. And then they stayed in the present day so long that it became a problem. And they're like, well, y'all got to go back. And so eventually they did go back and they had to wipe their memories. But the adult versions of them got to keep their memories of their time in the present. So it was kind of weird. So but I'm just saying I'm kind of used to this kind of idea of, you know, merge timeline memories. Um and I appreciate the comic bookiness of it. And for this show, you know, I, I think it did matter. I think the whole point of it was, like, I, I think from the beginning of season seven and even the season finale of season six, we've been wondering, like, why are they going back to the 50s? Do they need to do this? Do we like this or not? <laughs> but having watched it through to the end, I'm so glad that they did it because that what they were trying to do was position these characters to have a happy ending and just happy lives. 
that they wouldn't have had, you know, had they returned to where they left off. Like they had been through so much trauma and their whole world was practically destroyed literally. Um, so what they, they said in the beginning of season seven, there's no future to go back to the comet destroyed it. So if we had been paying attention, we would have known like, you know, the writing's on the wall. Um, I mean, we could always hope for a different twist, but um, I'm not mad about how it turned out. Like, I think, I think it has a lot of interesting things to say about the human experience about, yeah, some people might want to let go of some of their trauma and that's okay. Some people might want to remember their trauma so that they can, you know, be better equipped to face whatever other challenges life throws at them. Like, um, and just the fact that they went all the way back to the fifties and then lived up until 2023. It's setting Riverdale in a place in time that is kind of a lot like the comic books, you know, like uh, they, the comic books have been around since the forties and um, they've been through all these eras and they've mostly been teenagers for the whole time. And, you know, it's just something really beautiful about it. Like something really, I, I appreciate that Riverdale went back to its roots when it started out so wildly different from the comic books. Like I liked, like I, I grew to appreciate Riverdale being different in the beginning because I was one of those fans who was like, what are they doing on this show? <laughs> it's not like it should be at all. But I liked it then and I like it now. Like I, I think it's been a wonderful journey. Any other final thoughts? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I just wanted to, to say quickly, I mean, I think part of, um, like, as a lover of teen dramas and as a lover of, like, um, <laughs> the old old style of network television, it is, like, I, I agree with what, Kennedy, you had said about, like, that the great thing about Riverdale is it actually did get to live a full, long life. There's so many episodes to go back to. Um, I can't wait to start my rewatch. Um, but yeah, they'll never make TV like this again. And, like, that's kind of, like, the thing I'm feeling most sad and bittersweet about. And It does feel know. like the end of an era. Yeah, and so... Riverdale. Riverdale did it best, I think. It's the best version of a teen drama. It's the best version of a detective show. Like it's the best version to me of like all the all the genres it tried to pull off. I mean, to be fair, I haven't watched the CW's other superhero shows. So I won't say it's the best superhero one, but you know, like I think they, they just always really, really dug in to do everything. Um and yeah, and I agree, Freddie. It's I I think some people are I think people are overlooking um overlooking uh that the first six seasons do matter um if it hadn't happened then we wouldn't we wouldn't be like it, the seventh season wouldn't like mean what it means essentially so mm -hmm. um yeah yeah also it's a tv show so none of it, <laughs> none of it, matters, of it yeah. matters but like it is yeah. like it's contained in its own its own reality or however you want to phrase it um yeah i I am sad that we're never really probably going to get anything that's like Riverdale again. It's such a unique piece of television and that's why I love it so much. And I need to watch more CW shows and like kind of just like get out there more in my TV viewing experience. But I feel in my heart of hearts that nothing will ever be anything like Riverdale. And I just want to give a shout out to Luke Perry. Like I really feel like he blessed this show. Like uh, it was such a devastating loss when he when he passed away um, going into the fourth season and this show rose to the occasion of like honoring his death and incorporating, like continuing to incorporate Fred into the storyline. And 
and even beyond that, like the way the actors speak so lovingly on him, the fact that Luke Perry was from 90210, like an earlier generation of the the teen drama, like like he knew what they were getting into more than the kids themselves knew at the time. And he tried to give them advice. Like he, he, he was always like a, a rock for them, like the way they talk about him. So like, um, I really feel like his spirit kind of allowed this show to continue on strong and even get stronger as it went. Mm-hmm. Because I really think there was a turning point with season four where like the first three seasons, it was a teen drama. It had genre shifts, but it was it was a CW teen drama. And then after season, into season four, I think that's when they started to tackle more serious plot lines, started to have a little bit more sincerity with some of the things that they were touching on. Because like prior to that, it was a lot more camp, it was a lot more drama. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, there, there were always those elements, but but I feel like like every time they talked about Fred, they had to, not every time, but most of the time, <laughs> they tried to do it with seriousness, with, with sincerity. And, and those moments were very strong. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. and, it, and it brought out the best in them. That's why I think it did. Like it, it, it made the writers and the actors and just the whole creative team appreciate what they were doing and, and not take it for granted. At least that's my perspective, my like my outside perspective on it. <laughs> no, I think I think that's really well said, and yeah, I am. I have such a strong soft spot for season five and six for like tackling, yeah, like what, how, <laughs> what does it mean to grow up? Like, yeah, outside of being in a teen drama, essentially. Um, and yeah, I'm 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 literally tearing up right now because I like can't cry. I can't not cry whenever <laughs> I think about um Fred and Luke Perry and the Immemorium episode, which is like one of their best episodes. And then like, I do um, I do have a lot of love for seasons five and six. Like, I was so excited for them to become adults. Like, as an adult viewer, I'm like, finally, <laughs> like I kind of miss that but i get the nature of archie characters like they are eternally teenagers and like the the glimpses we give their adulthood are just that um but i do feel like this would be a good time to ask you guys now that you've seen the whole series off the top of your head what are your favorite seasons oh so hard yeah <laughs> i've been i've been rewatching season oh I've been kind of in the middle. I've been like, I've been hopping around between seasons like uh, three, four, and five, probably. And those are just such good. Oh, there's so much crazy stuff in there. There's so much good material. Um, but I mean, it's hard for me. It's just like, yeah, like part of, part of the fun of Riverdale for me is watching those like huge shifts in the show between seasons. But I'm I'm kind of classically for those of us who stuck with Riverdale the whole time I'm, I'm a really big fan of, of like three through six okay mm-hmm. what about you Maddie yeah Ooh. oh that's so hard <laughs> um, yeah I almost I almost want to cheat which so I kind of think if I'm thinking of yeah original recipe Riverdale let's say the fully teen drama Riverdale it's like season three is probably my favorite because it's the most gonzo of those and then, and I know season four, technically, they're still teenagers, so that kind of counts in that bucket. And then, yeah, I mean, I think season six is my favorite of, like, you know, the latter half of Riverdale. Like, it just, again, it fully goes gonzo. 
goes fully supernatural, um, fully, fully goes really political. I really like how political season six is, so that's like why it's a big favorite of mine. Um, so I don't know that I can rank the rest, but I mean, yeah, I, I think those are probably my top two seasons. Okay, I I completely agree. Like, I I definitely feel like season six is probably my favorite season, just um, in terms of like how engaged I was with the like you said the Gonzo bonkers like what's going on but it's also political but it's also sincere but it's also camp like there's a lot going on and I loved it I loved every second of it um R.I.P. Percival we miss you this season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean I was expecting other British demon right? I would have liked that <laughs> but um I I love season seven for different reasons because this is the only season that we've podcasted this has been a real journey you know just engaging with the fandom to this level for this final season. Um, it's, it, uh, so that's going to immediately make it a memorable one. Um, I mean, all of the seasons have something special about them. Uh, I mean, love season one. Love. Se- I mean, my least favorite is probably season two, just because I still remain bitter over the Black Hood stuff. Um, <laughs> I mean, although I liked the mystery up until, like some of the, it had some strong episodes, but the the ending just left such a sour t- taste in my mouth. Um, but seasons three, four, five, six i mean five was also a little hit or miss but it had a lot of good about it that i liked um four i really liked a lot of season four but i kind of was not as into the jughead that was another thing where where, when when they tried to tell us that jughead was dead and then he wasn't dead i was like y'all could have actually killed him and i would have been okay with that (laughs) (laughs) i know this was the general consensus is like i my my best friend from home who um also loves Riverdale and introduced me to it. She was like, why didn't they actually kill Jughead? They should have actually killed Jughead. That would have been crazy. Just because um, they had teased it for so long. Like, he had a fake-out death in season two. And then, like, all of season four, was like, is he dead? Like, like come on, just kill him already. <laughs> <laughs> like, have some actual stakes for once. Like, y'all kill Midge. Thing, right, yeah. It's like it's like the Marvel ap- impact of, of, like, well, if you keep bringing your characters back to life, uh, death doesn't mean anything. And it, and it didn't by the end of season six. <laughs> Certainly not. But um, I, it's just like, I remember that season four was specifically referencing how to get away with murder with like, they had an episode title after it and the whole flashbacks thing. And like, I was watching how to get away with murder at the time. So I was like, how to get away with murder is a show that commits to killing people off. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I was wondering if Riverdale was going to do that or not. And then they didn't. And like, well, I guess I didn't expect them to. I mean, Cole Sprouse is a huge part of the show. But and, I'm, and at this point, I guess I'm glad, you know, he was on all seven seasons. But, you know, it was it would have been a different show had they killed him off <laughs> season four. But I'm not mad with what we got. Um, I actually love it. Um, I have another question for you guys. Um, what is your favorite Riverdale quote? If you can think of one off the top of your head. Mm, I have to say obviously everyone loves the the i was attacked by a friggin bear scene <laughs> but reggie starts that scene off by saying you got some pretty big coconuts pulling that stunt at the speakeasy and that's he says he says speakeasy and i i think about that all the time i think about reggie marching up and slamming a locker and saying that with his shirt off um <laughs> so that's up there for me yes very memorable yes mm, yeah i mean yes there's certainly many memeable one um it doesn't have to be your absolute favorite, I know, one I know. that you remember I'm, 
Um, I was. I, it's interesting. I we were just kind of talking about season four, and I haven't. I haven't done my rewatch yet, but I was thinking about Donna because I thought Alice Betty's granddaughter looks kind of like Donna, and so I'm. I don't remember the exact way she phrases it, but I love Betty's like little like confrontation showdown with Donna in the woods, and she's like, "I'm the daughter of the Black Hood. I'm the girl next door, and I'm gonna take you down, bitch, or something." Like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's amazing. <laughs> I was like, "Ah, oh, she's why Betty's my queen, Dark Betty." <laughs> yeah. I gotta give it to, I mean, like, of course there is the iconic um, epic highs and lows of football quote, which I, I'm not going to pick that one, although it is one of the most memorable ones. I have to give it to the other most memorable one, where Jughead was like, in case you haven't noticed, I'm weird. I'm a weirdo. I don't fit in. and I don't want to fit in. Have you ever seen me without the stupid hat? That's weird. I'm weird. <laughs> like, I just feel like that speaks to all of us viewers who've been in it for the long haul we're all weirdos it's it's what riverdale is it didn't want to fit in it's yeah it's, its own tv show yeah i have one more question for you guys about the series because i want to ask you guys when did riverdale jump the shark and i gotta mention this because like the term jumping the shark comes from happy days like the original 50s sitcom the original sitcom about the 50s i think it came out in the 70s or 80s i think it was the 70s and basically the character fonzie was literally jumping a shark and that and that seemed so ridiculous at the time that it took people out of the reality of the show so like that's where the term comes from so we know riverdale has jumped the shark many a time but when do you think it first jumped the shark i have i think discussed this before um maybe on the maybe on the youtube video but um I am I'm one of those people who maintains that the the signs were there from the beginning and some really crazy stuff happens in the pilot. Like mm-hmm. first of all they imply pretty heavily that Cheryl and Jason were uh n- you know interested in each other or that Cheryl was interested in him. I mean to start out the show with that specific song they're wearing matching outfits and like looking longingly into each other's eyes and then they're like oh no just kidding they're siblings uh and also the incest happens, but it's with two different characters. Um, like, that's that's definitely a moment for me. But <sighs> Dark Betty is also a moment. The first <laughs> appearance of Dark Betty, where she almost kills Chuck uh, mm-hmm. by, like, st- like pushing his head into the hot tub with her heels on. Talk about Betty being wrong. Like, that, like <laughs> yeah, yeah. Betty's yeah. wrong for this moment. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's... I I still maintain that that it was like the first episode is has shark jumping, but I think the most like when I was watching Reveal, the first moment that I was like, oh no, this is really different from a lot of teen shows was was Dark Betty. Like in all the time, well, I guess you get to stuff like this eventually in teen shows, but like I don't know, it was I remember it being pretty out there at the time. It wasn't even Dark Betty; she was pretending to be her sister Polly, who we hadn't met yet, and we didn't know that Polly was blonde. Yeah. So why would yeah, you wear a black Polly outfit, huh? <laughs> <laughs> but I do want to add something to your first moment. It's not my moment, but I do. I, I very distinctly remember this moment watching the pilot. Like, so towards the end of it, I think this is in the pilot, but it might be later on in season one. But I think it's the pilot. Cheryl's introducing Josie and the Pussycats, and she's like, and they're going to be playing the song that uh, my parents were playing when they conceived me and Jason all through the night. <laughs> Yeah, like, yeah. Really? Like, that was a weird thing to say. They're, you know, they're, 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 the things that they do with Cheryl's character are so interesting. I wouldn't have it any other way, but uh, that was weird. <laughs> All right, uh, Maddie, uh, any 
jump sharp sharp jumping moments for you you want to call out yeah so i mean i think i think i think in general i'm sort of in agreement that like yeah if you really were paying attention to the show from the first season you were like whoa this is like out there the first one that comes to mind for me is like a little later down the line and i'm like <laughs> i think partially because it's uh visually similar to jumping a shark but also because it was a moment it's not a moment that i didn't believe would happen on riverdale but it's just it's so iconically strange is like i know what you're gonna we, say yeah you know when we learned that edgar ever never yes to like ride a rocket <laughs> i knew you're gonna say that <laughs> I, it's just like i think that one just sticks to me of like that's clearly a moment at which they're like i, I think until Peak that moment happens it's like there are people who were like okay i can deal with some of the wacky stuff as long as i get my ship you know stuff in and then like I feel like once that moment happens like that's what a lot of people are like I don't know if I could do this anymore <laughs> and like obviously I was the person who was like this is beautiful I can't believe that's such a beautiful way to wrap up the Edgar plot but most people I think were like what? But it was realistic because he didn't rocket out to space Oh in yeah, fact, no. he died and got shot. <laughs> I think he would have died trying to ride that rocket to space too right. though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's such a beautiful moment. <laughs> well I gotta give it to the bear attaching attacking Archie. Like that's the moment that that this show will never live down. Even though we didn't quite see it. Like he didn't have like a Leonardo DiCaprio moment fighting the bear. Um, but but we'll never stop talking about it. And honestly, the part that was more shark jumpy was when he had to fight Penelope's bear man at the see the finale. <laughs> like that was just weird. But um but yeah, Archie fighting a bear. That's for me, that's the shark jump moment where it's like, there's no turning back from that. <laughs> we'll all remember that. All right. Um, I do want to take a quick moment to circle back to any plot threads that we like. I know we mentioned we want to talk about Tabitha a little bit, or if we want to talk about anything else, I feel like now is the time. Okay. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to take up too much time um, on this diatribe, but. I I I can't wait till the actors can talk again and like maybe it's a couple years and everyone's NDAs are over. I just I'm really baffled by what happened with Tabitha this season and what happened with Aaron Westbrook's reduced screen time and I don't know what the story is and it could very well be just that yeah she I don't know what the situation is. Maybe she is working on other stuff. Maybe something was going on that meant she wasn't couldn't really be in the season. But it's just so strange because she was like such an important main character right before. And it's not even really about, I don't care about Tabitha and Jughead ending up together. This is fine. Like, whatever. But I just, I don't know why it feels like she's just a character I grew to love so much. And it feels like her being, she kind of got her send off last episode, I understand. But to me, I felt a little like despondent that she isn't in the actual finale of the show. And it just felt like, couldn't she be an angel? Like, couldn't she be an angel with Angel Jughead? I don't know. Like, why, why is that not happening? That's my little rant about that. So if I can speak to that, like, I guess from my perspective, um, you know, I love Tabitha, but I give the show writers the benefit of the doubt. Like, this is a huge cast. Like, this is a big ensemble show. I think in the seventh season, it's not so much that they were trying to write her out of the show. I think they were just trying to balance the main characters, make sure that they get their time. Like Tabitha was a late comer to the show. She started in season five and then uh, she was strong in season six and then not as present in season seven. But I do feel like that gave her appearances more weight, like from the season premiere and then the other episode she was in, like 
every time she showed up, we took notice. You know, whereas if she had been in every episode in the background, it might not have had the same impact. Um, so, like from a creative standpoint, I think I, I think I get why they made that choice. Um, you know, like like I said, she was one of the last to arrive and one of the first to go. I mean, technically Ethel was the first to go, but you know, um, we can talk about that too. But um, I just, you know, it's weird because you're right. Like they've already established that Tabitha is an angel. So why wasn't she Betty's angel? Although I think it makes more sense that Jughead is Betty's angel in the sense that like, you know, he just died and, you know, maybe he's like helping Betty transition to the afterlife. It's very curious because you have different aspects of Jughead. Like you have, you know, the fifties one in the diner, you have the narrator one, like, like who is Jughead? Where is Riverdale? Like what is going on? I don't know. I'm not going to question it too much, but I hate to say it though. He never really showed as much interest in Tabitha as she showed in him. And she deserved better, honestly. Like I'll never forget in the Sabrina episode where Sabrina was like, you need to come back and like help everybody win this war against Percival. Tabitha misses you. And Jughead was like, eh, I'm good. <laughs> I'm in heaven. Why would I want to go back to that? Like I, I love Tabitha, but you know, she'll come join me eventually. She already told me this isn't going to work out anyway. <laughs> Like, Jughead was always the worst, whether he was ghosting and doing maple mushrooms. Like, I just, you know, you know, Tabitha was great on her own. Like, she, she worked hard to be a memorable character. And I've said before, it's not really fair that she had to work so hard to, like, have a place on this show. Like, to, like, she basically became, like, a sainted angel. Like, honestly, like, Mm -hmm. other people have made the comparison i think to i want to say vampire diaries mm-hmm, 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 i never mm-hmm. watched that but was there a black oh character? oh yeah oh yeah no i know exactly yes bonnie bennett on vampire diaries who unlike tabitha was there from the beginning but has a very similar trajectory yeah i uh, i don't know if this is spoilers but people have said that like she had to sacrifice herself for all the white characters on the show which is kind of what tabitha ends up doing i mean i mean it's not that black and white but um, cause we do have surviving black characters of Tony and, and Clay and such, but, uh, and Josie. Um, but you know, I mean, if the question is, did this show do right by its black characters? I will say at least they tried. I think they made a, uh, visible effort. <laughs> um, were they always successful? No, but you know, uh, but they tried and, and, and um, I think the same question could be asked for, you know, did they do right by their queer characters? Did they do right by the women characters? Did they do right by Archie even? Like, you know, <laughs> did they do right by Jughead? Like, I don't know. Um, yeah, any other thoughts, Kendi, Maddie? I think that we talked about everything I wanted to talk about. Okay. Yeah. If I do finish up that thought, I would just say, like, with the queer characters, like, we've asked the question... Did the show do too much queer baiting? Is it queer baiting if it's saving the world? <laughs> um, where do we feel as of the finale? Like, did they deliver or did they still leave it not quite as satisfying? We, we, we briefly mentioned on how like there was no Jughead and Archie. There was not enough Reggie and Archie. You know, they, I am very happy about Veronica and Betty getting their time. Um, 
Yeah. yeah. Like, like we did get Bay and Veronica. We did get Kevin Clay. We did get Cheryl and Tony. Um, we did get lots of adult queer characters like uh, Mary and Brooke and Frank and Tom. <laughs> 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 so it's like a mixed bag. That's all I can really say. Um, which is honestly the best you can ask for because if it was all the same, then it would be kind of uh, boring and stereotypical. Um, all right, so I guess we'll wrap this up by saying Riverdale aspired to do many things in its run, and they did do a lot, <laughs> and we were here for all of it. We'll probably keep rewatching it. Um, so with that said, let's raise our milkshakes <laughs> and give Riverdale one final toast. Um, this podcast, I hope that it still goes on. I don't quite know what's in store. Um, I will mention that I'm in talks with some of Archie Comics writers and artists to maybe uh, appear as guests on the podcast in the future. So we'll see about that. Um, and, and, and the comics are going to be continue to be published. Like if you haven't read them yet, now's the time to start getting into them. See if you like them. Uh, it's never been a greater time to be a Riverdale or Archie fan. Um, so, yeah, the stories will continue, even if the show doesn't. Um, the podcast will continue. Hopefully, I'll have lots of guests, and we'll talk about other things. And you two are always welcome to come back anytime. Um, is there any other media you'd like to shout out? Uh, I don't think I have anything at the moment. Yeah, not not for me. Riverdale is the only media right now. Right, like Riverdale's like, all consuming. There's nothing else worth talking about in this moment. <laughs> but yeah, check our podcast in the future. See if see if we come up with any more episodes. Like, uh, write to us. Let us know what you want to hear us talk about. If anything, like uh, we don't have to end this just because Riverdale's over. That's all I'm saying. Um, maybe I might release that episode I talked about where um, me and Maddie talked about the musical episode. That I never totally released. think you should. Like uh, honestly. The one that you and I did, Kennedy, that's our most listened to episode so far of this yeah. entire podcast. Hey, you know what? People love the, the Riverdale musical episode, and I guess people like to hear people talk about it, which is cool. <laughs> well, I know I do, so I'll, I might work on that. All right. Well, thank you so much, Kennedy and Maddie, for joining me on this final Riverdale review. And thanks to everyone listening. If you've made it this far, if you've been tuning in with us every week, or even if this is your first time, we appreciate you. Um, if you enjoyed this podcast and would like to hear more, please like, subscribe, rate, and review us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Also, you can follow or message us on Twitter, Reddit, TikTok, Instagram, Threads, or League of Comic Geeks. Um, maybe even Facebook. I don't know. We're all over the internet. Um, just search for DMV Comic Book Nerds or DMV CBN. You should be able to find us. Um, you can check out Maddie's Substack. She's uh, got one more review coming for you guys. So you can find the link in our episode description. Um, maybe Candy might have another YouTube video for us in the future. Who knows? If you haven't watched your first one, go check it out. There's a link on our season premiere episode. And that said, thanks again. Good night, everybody. Your feedback and engagement means so much to us. So we hope you can write to us. And we hope to catch you next time, Riverdalians. One last time. Can you dig it? Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.